0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Raven's Watch. I am your host, David Lee Corbo, a.k.a. The Raven, and I have got a banger of an episode lined up for you today. My guest, uh, Zach, has experience. I, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you um, in a short little intro like this, but I'm reeling, dude. I mean, we just finished this episode, and I'm so thrilled with the way that it came out. It was an awesome interview. Zach is an awesome guest and he has quite the compelling story for you. And we go deep this episode. I mean, it's an alien abduction story, and Zach is well versed in um sort of the deeper nooks and crannies when it comes to information in regards to what does this all mean? Where do they come from? What are they? What do they want? Uh, and have they been involved with mankind since our conception. In fact, are they responsible for our conception? Uh, So, it's a lot, guys, and and I'm excited. I'm excited. It was such a good episode, uh, such a good interview, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to get into it. But before you do, we have some business to attend to. Uh, Please, if you are not already following me on instagram go ahead and do so at the ravens watch you could also find me on twitter at david underscore lee underscore corbo we have a subreddit r slash the ravens watch we can share all kinds of interesting stories and theories there you could head on over to youtube at the ravens watch and if you are already on youtube watching that please subscribe to my youtube channel and don't forget to comment and interact with me i'm friendly i swear everything's gonna be real cool we'll talk about super weird shit uh don't forget about the discord the raven's watch there's gonna be a link for that in the bio in the uh, description below and uh if you have an interesting story a paranormal story, an alien abduction story. If you've been part of a secret society and you want to spill the beans, if you know quite a bit about a certain conspiracy theory and you want to come on the show and talk about it, you can email me at the ravens seven 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 at gmail dot com. And if you feel like supporting the show monetarily, Uh, You can do so by going to Twitter, and in the upper right-hand corner of my profile, you will see a button with a dollar sign logo on it. If you click on that logo, it will bring you to my Cash App. Uh, Otherwise, you can find me on Cash App at dollar sign, meaning punch in the dollar sign, followed by David Corbo. And all proceeds go to new gear for the show. Um, Right now, the show is in its infancy, and so in the future, we'll have other methods of supporting the show like uh, merchandise for one or potentially members-only episodes. I really don't like hiding stuff behind a paywall. It's just that if somebody is going to contribute to me, then I would like to offer them something in return. That being said, none of the information that I discover during the journey on this podcast will be hidden behind a paywall. Only the episode will. But if you stick around, I'm sure on a public episode uh, sometime after that, we're going to end up talking about it. Or you're going to see the clips online. Or I'm going to talk about it on a Twitter live space. So you'll always get the information. What this show is about is me learning alongside you. So there are no revelations that I'd like to remain hidden. And there's certainly no truth that I aim to profit off of. Uh, I just simply want to be able to give back to the people who decide that they want to support me uh, in a more financial way and so but we're not even there yet so don't worry about that like i said if you want to donate you can go over to twitter and click on that button or you can go to cash app and it's dollar sign david corbo so guys oh also uh before we get into it please if you're listening on spotify if you're listening on apple podcasts uh and if you're on youtube subscribe and drop me a five star rating and uh if you leave a fun uh rating. What do you call that? Like a fun comment, a fun rating, you know, where you can type in a description. I'll read it on air. Maybe we're still figuring that out. (laughs) Like I said, guys, we're just getting this thing started, but I have a banger of an episode for you today. I'm very excited for you to hear it. And for God's sake, I want to hear your feedback. If you have any opinions, if you have any thoughts on this episode, please talk to me on Instagram, talk to me on YouTube, find me on Twitter. And let's talk about this episode because Zach brings the heat He's got a hell of a story, and we've got a bunch of good theories and a bunch of awesome ideas as to what's going on, what all of this means in the context of the larger picture. I hope you guys enjoy it, Uh, and without further ado, let's get into today's episode.
1: Welcome to the Raven's Watch.
0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Raven's Watch. I am your host, David Lee Corbo, a.k.a. The Raven, and I am here with today's guest, Zach. Uh, Zach and I met on Reddit. I found one of his stories. I think it was in Our Experiences, uh, one of the ones that I kind of hang around and sift through, or maybe it was in Paranormal. Um, But Zach had a really interesting story uh, about his experiences with uh, UFOs and alien abduction. And if you listen to my last episode, I have a feeling you're going to hear some similar themes. Uh, As I discussed in my last episode, these things often have sort of hallmark attributes that you can find in common from one experiencer to the next experiencer. And a lot of these things, they sort of tie into the whole Uh, sleep paralysis phenomenon. Um, And I'm not necessarily saying that they are related. Uh, It could be different entities, uh, different beings that are possibly utilizing the same state of mind that your body goes in when you're in the dream realm. Um, I'm not breaking ground here. I've heard from multiple people, uh, more authoritative sources on this than myself, that when you enter the dream realm, you're kind of in this place where something else may be able to visit you. And uh I don't want to give too much away, but very much there were elements of Zach's story that you know rhymed with a lot of my experiences. And I'm sure if you're an experiencer of sleep paralysis and things of that nature, there's gonna be a lot of parallels. Uh, with Zach's story. So, without uh dragging you guys along too much more. Zach, how are you, brother? I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Happy to be here. Uh thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so, yeah, nice for having me. Of course. Zach, if you could uh why don't we start from the beginning because the email you typed me was a great story. I I I kept reading it, but I wanted to hear a lot of it fresh uh, you know, on the episode talking to you. But then again, I kept going back to it. And and like I said, man, there was so many things that were... uh, Your story is just like so many other people's story. And, you know, when you get all those aligning of the elements, uh, something really compelling is happening there. So why don't you take me to, uh, let's say, your earliest memory of uh, of these experiences.
1: Okay. So... it first started out, um, I guess, when I was six years old. Uh, I started having these weird dreams. Um, I guess they were you could call them like recurring nightmares or recurring dreams, whatever you want to call it, um, of this white house that was probably maybe a mile down the road. I, I've never been there. I've never seen who lived there. I've never met the people. You know what I mean? I've never, never had any affiliation with the house, but it, it just kept appearing. And I remember in the dream, um, I would be led up uh, a flight of stairs and into this room where there was a, a, it was just a white room and then there was a bed right in the middle. And then there was like a praying mantis, like phasing through the back wall of the bed, like hanging down over. And then the next thing in the dream, I'm just like laying down still, can't move. And I'm looking up straight up at this like praying mantis thing, just looking down at me. And that's all I remember. I kept having that dream for probably I don't know, probably until I was about maybe ten, and then it uh, stopped happening. Uh, and that's when I really got into the more uh, uh, like scientific understanding of the world. like I started losing my like faiths and religions. I started wanting like science and answers, you know what I mean? stuff like that, like your typical teenager or little kids like, wanting answers and stuff. Um, I carried that with me until I was about, oh shit, probably three years ago. Um, I'm, I'm 28 now. Um, and I had done a hypnoaggression. Um, and yeah, uh, some guy, uh, Reddit, actually, yeah, some guy on Reddit was reaching out to, uh, just all these experiencers saying, hey, um, I'm offering pro bono sessions with two people who claim to have been abducted by aliens. I was like, shit, that kind of sounds like me. Because after going down the rabbit holes, when I turned about like 18, 19, when I started discovering like the paranormal stuff, ghosts, uh, astral projection, demonology, um, Ouija boards, you, you know, the, the typical late night YouTube videos, right? Um, I started getting interested in that and then started uh, getting interested in like UFOs, aliens, uh, different dimensions and stuff like that. And so fast forward to about three years ago, or actually, it was about three years ago, and then I did the hypnoaggression about, I think, maybe two years ago. And I talked to the dude, he ran me through it, and... What I had discovered was that the dream wasn't actually a dream. Um, It started when I was six years old. Um, I remember now, I remember um, I was sitting in my bed late at night and I wake up to this just blinding light. This is bluish white. It filled my entire room. Um, Having a little bit of knowledge of light, uh, it was about 15,000 lumens per per cubic inch of my room like it just filled everything no shadows it was just blinding white light and then next thing I know these two just little beings just there they appear right by my window and I remember hearing and like feeling a voice inside my head say come with us and I just I just went I didn't even think I just went you know what I mean Um, and then next thing I know I'm just Floating up through the air, I can see the night sky. I can see the, uh, the the town below me, and then I'm just in this like large, I guess, hangar type area. I guess and I understand it now. Um, everything was made of like a, a a white, like eggshell white, curved, like smooth paneling. I guess with I remember seeing concave metallic bluish steel beams that connected everything like the the, like housing I guess the walls and I remember being led uh towards these like silver balls that were kind of parked off to the like I guess my left when I got there and I think at that point I just got scared and I ran and I remember seeing this large window and I remember looking down and I'm seeing like I just see like what looks like the earth um, and I just see the blackness of space. I don't see any stars. I just, I just see the glow of the planet below me. And I just, I keep running. And then I remember getting stopped by what looked like a large human-looking person, but it, they had like a, uh, I remember, a long hair. Um, I think it was brown hair, uh, but they had. I remember this, their faces looked very angular. I guess like very, very chiseled, very blocky very i guess they didn't really have smooth facial structure i guess you could say um and they said i remember they didn't speak it but i could feel again that voice inside me saying whoa you're not supposed to be here and then next thing i knew as i'm being held uh the two little grays come up and basically grab me and i'm just i remember just like floating i couldn't move at that point either floating or being carried back to this uh this other room where it was like a strange like brown diffused kind of light inside um everything just kind of it had an off color you know how you you can change like a color temperature in a room and like it'll change the color of things right it was kind of like that but it it made everything like a a reddish brownish orange kind of hue and I remember being led into the room and being laid down onto this bed and then seeing this large insectoid looking thing uh, next to these little, like a kind of station, I guess you could say, like beakers, tubes, it had like uh, tools, like all kinds of like, like a science lab basically. And I remember being laid down onto this bed, I still couldn't move, and then I could see the little graves uh, just watching me, just standing there by my bed or the bed, uh, just, just staring at me while this large insectoid thing comes around to the side of my, uh, like behind me, grabs my head and turns it to the side and it sticks like a needle or something into the side of my neck. And then I remember everything just going like fuzzy and like hazy. And then um, they pick me up and uh, the grays, they pick me up and they brought me to another room where they had a small black box. And inside the box, when they opened it, like the whole time, they're, they're just staring at me. I could see at this point, they didn't have the the large black eyes anymore. Like they they could see their actual large, like golden, they kind of look like frog eyes. I don't know if you've ever seen what a frog's eye looks like. Um, it, it, it doesn't really have um, much like whites of our eyes I, I don't know the terms for the shit instead the yeah eyes
0: are... i think i know what you mean where it's primarily pupil and then there's the um the iris and that yep. takes up the vast majority of the eyeball you're not seeing the whites of
1: their eye yeah exactly exactly um it, it was like a golden brownish uh, almost looked like a cracked texture to it um you know how like spider webbed glass looks like yeah yeah it's kind of like that, but I don't know if it's like veins in their eyes or what, like the pigmentation of the eye itself, but that's kind of how it looked like. It was like a golden brown, but like it's like that cracked pattern. Um, they're just staring at me the whole time. Just like, I, I think they're just measuring my reactions to things, to like to different things. And as I open this box, uh, it just explodes in, in light. And inside the light, I'm seeing all these different images and like memories of like landscapes, houses. I'm seeing math, like mathematical equations, shapes, numbers, symbols, like all kinds of shit. And then all of a sudden I'm I'm, like seeing what I now understand as my own past life. Um, I experienced the death of my own family and then my subsequent suicide. And then, right. Right. And I, after that, the they shut the box and then they lead me back down to this long hallway made of like this that same concave structural design and it, it, it's very cold there I, I don't know why it's it's like that but it's just cold i don't know like kind of like walking through the refrigerated section at a costco it's just like cold and they're walking me down the hallway and back into that hangar and then I'm floating back down And then the next thing I know, I'm being laid down back into my own bed, and they're turning around and saying, We'll be seeing you again soon. And then they're just gone.
0: Wow. Okay. So uh, before we go any further, there's a a bunch of things uh, I'd like to unpack there. Um, And I've got a a bunch of questions I'm very interested in, but I'm going to start in chronological order. What do you think the significance of the house was? So the way that you described it it's a white house uh it's by itself in a field yeah
1: yeah it's um uh, it's just like its own standalone house on a piece of land like you know we live basically in kind of the the boondocks if you will like it's not very populated um uh the parts where i was living at, at the time like there was a house maybe every 100 yards like it's fairly spaced out on that road you know what I mean? Like it's just surrounded by hot fields. Right. Um, so it's just like, yeah, it's just owned a little standalone house
0: and And do you think that the house was an actual physical location, considering it, it based off of what you said, you've seen it? oh, yeah, than- I, I,
1: I've drone I've droned past it multiple times. Like it's an actual house. you, was, you know the house, yeah. i, I can I, I can show you a picture of it. like it's like, it's an actual house. I, I lived that was like down the road, like a mile down the road from where I lived.
0: so. Uh, Do you have any thoughts as to why that house? I've I've
1: talked to my wife about that, and we both can't come up with any answers except for, like, a screen memory or something that, like, maybe they know they can see different houses, different structural layouts, and maybe they just pick one that'll fit the aesthetic to make a cover memory. I don't know. That's just my best guess. Uh, I
0: have no as, as much as it doesn't seem like maybe the house is that important could you describe it a little bit as far as like the the, yeah, the it, look of it is it an older house
1: um i i mean it's been there since i was a kid and that's like over 20 years so i mean it's it's a fairly old house i i don't think it's anything like 100 years old but i mean it's been there for a while Huh. Uh, it's, it's got, it's got two stories. Um, uh, it's got a, a large like front door, two windows on the side. And then like above the front window is like a, a half circle, a uh, large ornate window. And then the whole house is white.
0: Um, in regards to the hangar, I'm sure that, uh, based off of what you said, you know, you're, you're sort of digging and coming to understand these things. There always seems to be, this this theme not only is it a uh a, a very medical sort of uh sanitary place almost like a clean room right like you described mm-hmm. with all the whites and everything but there also is this common theme of almost a a, a military feel that there's you know a hangar is
1: everything seems very used. organized and like very methodical it has a very uniform um layout like it was very every everyone was i could see a bunch of like human looking people like the tall i guess what i now know with like nordic types like i don't know if you've gone down that rabbit hole they look like sure. that basically like they were all wearing those uh, like solid colors like coveralls very baggy but almost also form fitting of like navy blue light blue dark brown forest green just everyone but like different people wearing different colors basically and every everyone was just doing something they weren't just standing around you know what i mean
0: yeah that that brings to mind this um idea that i've come across and i, I don't i'm not too keen on the details but it was this idea that uh there are certain contracts with certain entities ets or, or otherwise where they're allowed to operate uh for a set amount of time until the contract expires and so That contract entails things like having the right to abduct us or run experiments on us or, you know, uh, examine our DNA or genealogy. And that um, there are, in fact, like you described, the Nords, as well as the Greys, as well as the insectoids, right? So there's your praying mantis uh, creatures Mm -hmm. and that uh, some are benign, uh, some are nefarious you know some are neutral but they all have a vested interest in seemingly our our dna certainly our children uh which is Mm -hmm. deeply upsetting uh but Mm -hmm. i'm sure that that opens a bell to you
1: oh yeah um from what i understand it's definitely it definitely has something to do with genetics um i'm i'm a little familiar with your that those deals that you're talking about um but to their whole malevolence benevolence neutrality like it's they they don't at least from my understanding um, like the whole time when I was laying on the uh, the table I remember asking them uh, like like stop hurting me like why are you doing this stop hurting me and they did they, they they took the pain away but like I still couldn't move like they were holding me by my wrist I don't know like my, my wrists were like in a like a locked position kind of uh, but they weren't touching me I don't know but I remember just being locked and that was hurting and I remember asking them like stop hurting me. And then just the pain went away. Um, so I don't think they're necessarily malevolent. It's just that they're indifferent to our emotions and feelings because they don't necessarily understand them. And they have their their own set of morals, their own ethics, their own set of rules. I guess you could say. Um, like it's they will help you as long as it serves the greater collective.
0: Right. So in the sense of, um, or maybe not even necessarily the collective, but if you take it from the point of view of, excuse me, someone who has a job to do, whether that Mm -hmm. job is a medical or science or or anything like that, or the job of the Mm -hmm. phrase that take you, each of these things seems to have a job. And that job becomes significantly more difficult if you're resisting. And Absolutely. when are you likely to resist? If you're feeling pain or discomfort or fear, and so they mitigate that somehow by right. alleviating it, however they can. Maybe not necessarily because they're uh, positive entities, but because your your discomfort is getting in the way of them executing their job.
1: Yeah, that's a good observation. That's
0: yeah, that's really interesting. Do you do you have uh, well. I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm not too sure. I've got a couple of more questions here, and I don't know which one I want to hear first. Well, let's go with this. What the hell was the box about? What do you think the box was about? The box that contained this light and this information and mathematical visions and visions of the past? I don't know. I,
1: that's just, I don't know. I, that's what I saw. I, I, I don't have any logical explanation. I don't know why they did it. I don't.
0: I don't well, we're certainly, when it comes to these topics, and on this show, The Ravens Watch, I'm not really too worried about logical explanations. Now, <laughs> but I imagine if I was in your seat, I would certainly have some a hierarchy of ideas as to what purpose this served. Uh, what do you think, if you had to give your wildest guess?
1: Well, I guess... I- I'm on the side of science explaining spirituality. So if they have a box that contains information alongside memories of what appeared to be my past life, it means they have access to information outside of linear time. And so I think it serves a purpose to, I guess, help us remember something to then change our current path Um, because i'm noticing a lot of similarities in my life that i had seen in this vision that they showed me and it has allowed me to kind of um, not necessarily like better myself but like understand like everything is a lesson
0: okay could you maybe uh go into a little bit about what you saw in regards to um well really all the things in the box are interesting to me the the mathematical equations whether or not they meant anything to you or at least if you understood maybe what they pertain to and then certainly the the past life,
1: oh uh, the past life stuff's pretty traumatic. Um, uh, I could imagine. But the uh, the the mathematical stuff, um, the the symbols. Uh, I don't know. Like it's. I, I guess. I guess. Now, since I've remembered all of this, uh, I've been completely obsessed with research into directed energy. uh, uh, What is it? Uh, Gravitational propulsion, uh, electromagnetics, like all of this other shit. And I I don't know, I guess maybe they helped unlock something to where I could use that information and kind of do something with it. I don't know.
0: I've heard that before. That That is uh, one of those common threads where oftentimes these beings will show uh, sciences and mathematics and that these things often pertain to a higher level of human achievement when it comes to inventions and technology, things of that nature. Uh, and I I wonder if you've ever heard this angle to me, it does not sound unlike the stories of these ancient beings who have bought various technologies to early man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear throughout all of this sort of, you know, mythology and folklore about, um, you know, even the concept of like Pandora's box, you know, or or um, various weapons and and technologies throughout the ages that, Man didn't create necessarily themselves, but there's always this backstory of some god uh, bringing this to some early civilization. And and also in the way of agriculture and things of that nature. Pivotal moments that change the trajectory of a civilization uh, oh, yeah. always towards an advancement.
1: Yeah, my favorite one is the, uh, the Ant people of the Hopi uh, legends. Uh, during the cataclysms, they would uh, the, these ant people came out and taught them how to live in Pueblo houses and grow corn and beans and live like in underground in the caves to survive the cataclysm. And I guess they've done that for like three of the past cataclysms for these ancient people. So I don't know, maybe Let's those see. ant people the right are guess, these dude. insectoids.
0: Um so the reason I brought that up is because I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, and this is probably not unfamiliar to you the idea that these beings in whatever shape they take are the same beings from you know the the bible and the story of the fallen oh yeah I, and that I they were cast out of heaven time. yes and and i love that connection it's unbelievably compelling it's it's one of the sexier ideas out there honestly and it, and it oh, yeah. connects all of these various civilizations through to one common thread and then it begs a very important question that I don't expect you to have the answer to, and and I don't know if we will, if, you know, within this lifetime. But are these beings, if they are the fallen, uh, despite how we perceive them, are they being deceptive? You you see what I'm getting at?
1: I actually have an idea towards that because that's one of my favorite rabbit holes. I believe that these human looking beings, these Nordics, these tall people, our, are our creators. These are the the angels that the people in the Bible talk about. When heaven opens up, they come from this non-local space, this extra dimensional space. They come in, they come down to the prophets, share their knowledge, the whole Ezekiel's wheel and all that. Um, and the, the the whole Bible says let the God said let the, let us create man in our image. So by technicality, God is by is by the Bible's definition and the angels are non-human intelligence. And I believe that the whole story of creation, the whole Adam and Eve, when Eve was created from man like Adam's rib, that's just genetic manipulation to create a second body for repopulation. I, right. I believe a lot of things can describe things that are in the bible that can be per- perceived as non-human intelligence crafts alien abductions and hell even mary getting abducted and impregnated with jesus you know what i mean like
0: right right i'm uh i'm currently reading uh eric von Daniken's uh enoch and the return of the gods i think it is or, mm. or something of that nature um and it it he presents a lot of those ideas that all of our interpretations of the Bible in these ancient books, well, we're just hitting the stopper of language and translation. And that a lot of these things were just out of the realm of our ancestors' ability to translate or to put into Mm -hmm. words that we were going to understand. And so, uh, and it's very compelling the way that he puts this together. And a lot of it is very much what you just said, this idea of uh, making Eve out of the rib of man. Well, that is shorthand or could be interpreted as shorthand for genetic manipulation. Mm-hmm. And also these beings that we see throughout history in Egyptian mythology and Sumerian mythology where there are these hybrid human animals, you know, are Anubises, Osirises, things of that nature, that they are the results of genetic manipulation as well. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I I can see that you are, and for good reason, seeing this through the lens of, Like you said, a much more scientific approach to spirituality than just this sort of faith-based spirituality.
1: I think Um, so. And I think
0: once people could you tell me a little bit about? I'm sorry.
1: Sorry, no. uh, I was going to say I think it's all connected, and I think once people start realizing that, we're we're going to start getting some answers.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that could be. I mean, we're kind of in this in this um limbo right now right we're on the on the cusp of the uh what's the popular word disclosure Mm -hmm. um it seems like our government is sort of inching ever closer we're getting little breadcrumbs here and there via nasa and the pentagon and the white house uh Mm -hmm. i I believe it wasn't long ago that they released an article uh, and i think it was from the the pentagon uh that they have recovered crashed vehicles, not made by man. And that's all the article said, but it's very potent. I mean, you know, a lot of people, it's weird because, as I said, we're in the midst of disclosure and it seems to be going over a lot of people's heads. They almost seem disinterested. We're more interested in, you know, Adam-22 and whether or not he's letting his wife get banged by other porn stars or some (laughs) crap like that, rather than looking up for a second and realizing like, oh shit, the government's about to tell us that aliens (laughs) are real. Uh, yep. And it's weird because I've been into this for many years and I always dreamed, especially when I was younger, 16, 17, 18, that, wow, the day they p- finally pull the curtain back, it's going to be so profound and people are going to drop everything they're doing. No, dude, people yep. are balls deep in only fans and they can't look up for more than a second to realize that we're in the middle of something really big. And so yep. I wonder if our government's going to be honest, what that disclosure is going to look like are we gonna be exposed to this idea that there are other beings or are we going to be exposed to this idea that these beings are potentially responsible for us in a huge way those are two fundamentally different things right one is there's people in space and and they're not like us but You know, it's pretty cool, dude. They got tech. And the other one's like, oh, shit, they made us.
1: Right. That's Yeah, that's some ontological shock right there.
0: Yeah, but I do wonder if it would even be impactful or if people would just keep going about their daily lives watching Black Mirror and jerking off.
1: Well, I can attest to that because my mother-in-law is one of those people who are extremely religious. And now hearing all of this, she is very, very scared. Like she's have yeah. she have that that shock, and I feel like there could be millions of people around the world that have the same kind of shock. And I feel like it might do what COVID kind of did. It might bring the world to a little uh like standstill for a little bit. Uh, but I think people are going to still be worried about paying the bills, and I think that's sad.
0: Right? Yeah, and it, you know it's it's funny to think that if we're on the cusp of this, you know, mass effect future where suddenly we're just part of the galactic family and a hundred years from now we look back at this moment in time as the moment where we were you know we had it revealed to us that there was in fact a galactic uh society of different beings and that you know that was the beginning of us being welcomed into the fold but i i have to admit uh I'm, i'm trepidatious because uh I what I don't want to happen is to just be blown away. So blown away that I can't think straight. And I think that's a dangerous thing, right? Is like I don't care what happens. I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart. I've been since I was 15, 16 years old. And yeah. it could be staring me right in the face. And I will not take it at face value. And and I I, I want people to um, especially, you know, fans of the show and just Just don't be so amazed that you don't slow down and think. Don't buy everything hook, line, and sinker. Because if these things have steered the progress of humanity, then there is a very important question at the core of that that needs to be asked. And it is, to what end? Because if you're looking at the whole Zachariah Sitchin aspect of it, where it's the Anunnaki, uh, then that starts to suggest that we were uh, a slave race that mm-hmm. was genetically altered from, you know, early hominids in order to, I think it was, um, mine gold. Mm-hmm. Some, I think that was Zachariah Sitchin. now I know that he's a prolific uh, science fiction writer, but
1: I yeah, think the story was things. their <laughs>
0: atmosphere on their home planet was uh, diminishing and that they needed right. gold. To suspend right. in their atmosphere to protect their planet, and that we were meant to mine that gold, which is alarming. I don't know if that means they're going to be so thrilled to see us or if they're going to crack the whip and put us back to work. there's so many different ways that this can go and there's so many different interpretations and I just I, I just want people to I think it's I think it's real um, but then that doesn't mean that there aren't a dozen Or or hundreds of follow up questions like where you mentioned it earlier, uh, you know, those who came from heaven and you said something to the effect of a heavenly realm, not necessarily something in the upper atmosphere, but something in a different dimension. Right. And so what does that mean for the entire space narrative? Because I do see that there is an effort being made by Hollywood and the government to to sell us this idea that they're just off planet beings, but then when it comes to people's firsthand experiences, I get a lot of it's interdimensional. And well, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? What?
1: Who's to say they don't come from another planet in another dimension?
0: Right. But then that kind of puts us. Uh, You know, a skewer in this idea that, you know, that Hollywood gives us, which is just they're from the planet Xenu and they're going to, you know, uh, visit us with their intergalactic technology. And sure, they come through wormholes, but we're talking Einstein Rosenberg Bridge wormholes. They're just folding time and space. They're not coming from an area outside of time and space.
1: So I remember reading something along the lines of the Air Force would, back in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, all the way up through the Hollywood craze, uh, would reach out to certain directors to push a certain narrative of extraterrestrials to help reinforce the dis- disinformation uh, program. Um, I don't know how necessarily true or false that is, but I have seen quite a few things that like to fearmonger. And I feel like that could play into the whole military industrial complex agenda.
0: Right. Uh what's the the, is it the giving
1: f- them more money for weapons right. development and fighting these things instead of working together.
0: And I think what's that's the, what uh, the
1: extraterrestrials are worried about.
0: What's the famous speech by um was it Nixon who said that he dreams of uh, a threat from the side right. of our planet? I think that was Reagan. Was it Reagan? Yeah, I think yeah, that was Reagan. Yeah, and that it would unify human beings under a common mm-hmm. threat and that we would put our differences aside. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm paraphrasing, but fund the yeah. military-industrial complex with every penny that we have in order to fight this extraterrestrial threat. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's, I mean, look, our government uh, is problem, reaction, solution. And oftentimes, I don't think it's debatable that they will cause a problem, wait for our reaction, and then offer up the solution. And there are different magnitudes to that that little formula there. And alien invasion is the highest magnitude. I mean, what person in their right mind wouldn't bend over backwards to empty their wallet and life savings out and throw it into the government's face in order to do something about this threat from outer space? Right. Well. Uh, I, I want to ask you about this, um, this, can you tell me about the regression hypnosis session? Was it, was it a session or, um, well, I'll let you describe that. You said that you, you talked to somebody who was offering a free. Yeah.
1: So he, he was offering pro bono sessions and I reached out to him, gave him my story. And uh, much like I did for you, I told him my little experience and he's like, he showed interest and then we got together and it was actually done through zoom out of all things. Um, and he basically played an audio file while walking me through, it was almost like a guided meditation almost. And, um, he just did what he would normally do like with an in-person session, but over zoom. And, um, he just walked me through my subconscious, brought out the memories and here we are.
0: And, How did you feel about it while it was that suddenly being faced with memories? That's a strange concept, right? For somebody who's not initiated.
1: I have the audio file recording of the hypnoregression session. um, And at certain traumatic points, I started, I remember hyperventilating and shaking. Like it was, it was pretty wild uh, to experience all of that.
0: So you go through, you know, most of your life into adulthood only having this faint memory of a dream that involves a house. And then all at never, once...
1: Never made sense. Like, the whole dream, it just never made sense.
0: Dreams are a weird one because there are certain dreams that are like... Um, what's the, the expression you use? Uh, e- an earworm. So a song that won't get out of your head, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they call it an earworm. It's like, for whatever reason, this thing is stuck there. You have to listen to the song oftentimes in order to get it to go away. And yep. for a lot of people, myself included, there are these almost core memory dreams that you don't forget. And what age were you when you had those dreams? Uh, well,
1: it happened when I was six, so the dreams probably have started happening probably like seven, eight, nine, and 10, around there.
0: And how insane is it that a dream can follow you your entire life and you never forget it? And there's this, uh, and I'm going out on a limb here, assuming that this is the case, and this has been the case for me and other people that I know, uh, this feeling of importance. It feels important Although it's descriptive is insignificant on the surface, right? It's like, I don't know, there's a house in a field and I've, I've been to it, dude. I don't know what to tell you, but I, I can tell you that I won't forget that dream for some reason. Exactly. That kind of actually, uh, and I'm sure there's other people uh, sharing this sentiment with me makes you feel a little bit uneasy. Like I've got a lot of dreams that I remember for, for, for no reason. Um, some of them make sense and, and others, uh, not so much, but does that mean that uh, there might be something? Because it often feels like that. Like, there's something more to it. Right. And so you you had this nagging feeling, I'm sure, throughout your life. You don't know what to do with it. It's a pretty insignificant dream. You can tell somebody about it, and they'll shake their head and go, wow, man, that's crazy. But for some reason to you, it's just embedded in your psyche.
1: Yep, exactly. You're taking the words out of my mouth. Okay, There's just no reason why I should have that memory but yet something deep inside me tells me I don't want to forget it.
0: So when you go through this uh progressive hypnosis um and well how long is the session?
1: Um it takes it took about like 15 20 minutes to kind of get me into that deep relaxed uh like that relaxed state kind of um, and then it took probably maybe an hour, hour and a half.
0: And when you come out of this, well, number one, what's his reaction?
1: Um, he just—I mean, he was very professional. I mean, he just took notes, asked questions, kind of like asked how how are you feeling, uh, stuff like that. And then we just kind of briefly talked about it. Uh, the whole. Seeing my family die and seeing myself like kill myself, it was very very traumatic. Uh, he kind of just helped me process that kind of.
0: So part of the regressive hypnosis was experiencing, this, past life experience.
1: Yeah, the whole the black box that they showed me, that flash of light, and all those memories and visions
0: and stuff. What what if anything do you remember about your your function in this past life or the details of your family?
1: everything's very very fuzzy um i just it, it's like you ever see in those movies where they have like um flashbacks and the, the outline is very like white hazy foggy and like in the middle you see just like bits and clips of different memories flashing by and stuff like that that's kind of how that was um i remember it first started out with me just looking down at myself. I could see, I guess I was a very like stout kind of person. Um, I had it, it, like looked like I worked a hard job kind of attire, like you know what I mean? I had work like large work boots on. I was walking up to a house on a small piece of land. and I remember just like this it the whole landscape just felt empty, felt lonely. And I walked up onto the steps, onto like a front porch, walked through the house. And I remember seeing a living room off to the side and then the wall that goes into like a kitchen or something on this wall was just like tons of pictures of the family and like this uh, large, almost like ornate cabinet kind of thing um, that had like memorabilia, pictures of the family. And I just remember looking at the wall and just feeling very, very sad. And then I remember taking a gun and ending my life basically. And I remember just the whole you, flood of emotions and, like, feelings while staring at that wall brought back the memories as to why I was feeling that. And that's where the memories came in with losing my family in a car accident.
0: And so so you knew it was a car accident that that took their lives? Yeah. And at, at this time, you were 28 when you experienced this regressive hypnosis? Or was no, it I was, further I, back? it was a couple years ago. Okay. And so... The reason I bring that up is because I, I imagine, yeah, if it's a couple of years ago, did did you even have kids in your actual life? I, had? Had,
1: I, had, I had my son.
0: So you had to experience what it was like to be a man who lost his family While having, through the context of a, of essentially being a new father. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough yeah i i i i couldn't I couldn't imagine that um man, an hour and a half, and you're just kind of so
1: you and said it took about twenty minutes. Feel, how do you think I feel knowing seeing the exact similarities in the family I had to the family I have now? a wife, a child, two children, one just a little bit older than the other, and like the damn near identical like similarities in living a life i don't know if we're supposed to repeat our life lessons until we figure everything out in each life because i guess ever since then i've become a very hardcore believer in reincarnation i believe all energy like consciousness energy is just a fundamental force of the universe and our physical manifestation is just a, a a receiver a translator of that energy and experience basically and we just keep coming back until this Fundamental force experiences all it can experience. I believe that's right. what beings show you with this black box. I believe they are the facilitators of this
0: plan. I um recently started going down the rabbit hole of numerology, and I came across uh, one teacher in particular, uh, and he and I actually had a falling out, um, but... I, I, what I will give to him is that there's some uncanny synchronicities there when it comes to his theology. And it's not his theology, right? We're talking ancient Egyptian, ancient Babylonian belief systems, uh, yep. all the way up to Pythagoras. And 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 this numerical system informs things to this day, like the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's definitely a lot of weight there. But one of the things that he was saying was that there's this almost uh, these this aren't this this isn't his wording. Um, this is the way that I interpreted it. But there's almost like a ranking system from one to nine, and then eleven, twenty-two, and and thirty-three. And that these numbers they are the sum total of uh, the day you were born, the month you were born, the year you were born, things of that nature. And you add them all up, and you get these numbers. And they'll tell you something to the effect of almost where you are in the whole reincarnation thing. But one of the things that he said that kind of resonates a little bit with what you just mentioned was this idea that you have to get it right in order to, I guess, have a more favorable uh, reincarnation or or to get out of this karmic system that we're (laughs) entrapped in. Um, and that gets into some really unsettling stuff. Like, uh, something that I have trouble with is this. Uh, I think the, the beings associated with it are, are called the archons, and yeah. it's this idea that when you pass away, this bright white light that people explain or you know describe in near death experiences is I don't want to use the expression nothing more because that sounds reductive, but it is it's the rebirth it's you know almost almost can be likened to you emerging out of the womb into another uh hospital full of bright white lights and things like that and that we're stuck for whatever reason in this reincarnation loop and that the energy that we're creating when we go through these things uh, some people refer to it as louche this idea that all of our pain and suffering and i'm sure other energy i don't know if these beings are into the positive at all, but that something is feeding off of our, the energy that we put out into the universe every time that we're reincarnated. And, mm-hmm. um, that I find that to be one of the more deeply upsetting, uh, theories mm-hmm. because it removes the idea of eternity with your loved ones and rest, which I don't right. think there's something, cause like you said, uh, I, I don't think that energy can be destroyed it's just like matter right matter can only change form it's either a solid a gas or a liquid and we're now discovering that plasma is on there as well uh but (laughs) why wouldn't energy adhere to a very similar set of rules in that you can't destroy it it only changes forms and if it only changes forms then in some sense some part of you is eternal and therefore some part of your loved ones is eternal
1: yeah have you ever gone down the rabbit hole of the monroe institute i'm sorry have you ever gone down the rabbit hole of the Monroe Institute?
0: Um, I'm familiar with the expression, the Monroe Institute, but I couldn't place it. Would you mind? So like the the gateway
1: process, gateway tapes, all of that. So I ha- I can send you the, the files. The uh, CIA did a report back in the 70s, 80s when Robert, Dr. Robert A. Monroe, uh, he has a book, Journeys Out of the Body. He does all this research about auto, out-of-body experiences, astral projection, all of that stuff. Like, What he was, was doing his name? Stuff- robert a monroe um here yeah, uh, let's see i have this book right
0: here robert a monroe journey out of the, the journeys out of the body okay that's yeah, very good book. i recommend
1: you, everyone read it 100 okay um so what he did I, i'm no expert in the monroe institute so don't quote me on all this but basically what the CIA did is they did a report on his findings through the Monroe Institute and they found that the consciousness rejoins what they call the absolute and our consciousness energy retains information to offload into this absolute like they go down into like all all the math and like how it talks about flipping out of reality when the brainwave oscillation patterns match a vibrational frequency of uh was it 10 to the negative 33 centimeters per second when read on an oscilloscope so when the brain wave reaches that point of absolute rest before oscillating back down it clicks out and like clicks out of the physical resistance and when or existence and when your brainwaves continuously do that. Your consciousness reaches the physical reality and joins this extra-dimensional space, this absolute, the collective consciousness, all of that. And what they found is that they we do indeed retain our information, our experiences, when our energy leaves, basically.
0: Yeah, um, that is... It's funny because without knowing the finer details of what you just described, one could come to that conclusion, right? If you take into consideration what we just talked about, matter can't be destroyed, so why would energy? And exactly. then you look at this this realm as almost an experience ground. Yeah. That uh, I've heard people say that, um, and and I don't know if this is true, but I, I could see it um, that we are the universe uh, subjectively experiencing itself, yeah. and so. I'm not too sure what the purpose of that would be, but this idea that we have these experiences and they're encoded into, let's just say, our, our soul and our soul mm-hmm. is pure energy. Right. I'm I'm really spitballing here, but right. yeah, yeah. we would bring that back somewhere when we leave this realm. Right. Mm-hmm. So all matter returns to its its source. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it returns to the universe In whatever Mm -hmm. form that it is and so maybe does your 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 soul your energy and Mm -hmm. it brings with it your life experiences and then you know that becomes there's a lot of issues with that you know does that suggest that and and probably so after this there is no individuality that we return to some sort of collective, we no longer experience reality as an individual, which is difficult for a lot of people, myself included. I'm a big fan of me. I'd hate to see me go, (laughs) you know? So, uh, uh, and and I, I kind of think, man, that's one of the more disturbing ones. And I think it's disturbing because one, like we said, it, it rids you of the individual potentially. And two, because it follows a very logical path that, that makes sense to me, Mm -hmm. you know, but, it brings up a lot of questions. Uh, for example, where do these various gods and overarching God and even the 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 concept of Jesus? So I, I'm not a Christian myself. Mm-hmm. However, I've had experiences with um uh, for those of you who have listened to the last episode, um, I ended it with talking about basically an encounter with a fucking greasy demon that tormented myself for four nights uh, and eventually my wife saw it and then my my son saw it and once my son saw it i became pretty desperate to make it stop um and so i did the only thing that i could think to do which was prayed to jesus christ and like i said never was religious was not raised religious have never read the bible or anything like that but i was I was really grasping at straws, man. Like I was desperate to get this to stop. I could kind of internalize it if it was happening to myself. Um, and then when my wife experienced it, I didn't even tell her that I knew what she was talking about. I just went like, oh shit, that's crazy. Because you don't want to freak right here, freak them out. It's it's You're not going to have a good time if, if your wife can't go to sleep. And then, you know, once it moves on to my son, I was like, oh shit, I've got to do something. So right. when I did that, it stopped the entire experience. Now, I'm a pretty loyal dude. If you stick your neck out for me, I'll never forget that. And so, I have a hard time compartmentalizing that experience and dismissing, you know, the idea of Jesus Christ in any way. And being immersed in the paranormal as I am, that story is not unique. There are mm-hmm. thousands of stories whether it's aliens, demons, ghosts, whatever it is. You can even 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 Bigfoot. As strange as that sounds. Bigfoot and and cryptids, you can make them go away by invoking the name of Jesus Christ. So how in the hell does that key into all of this? This this the more I look at this, the more infinitely strange this realm becomes. Yeah. So what do you think about, like, we, we talked about it before, this idea that these beings have been here throughout history, they've given us technology, they've been responsible for the advancement of mankind in various different ways, maybe they're the fallen, maybe they're the Nephilim, maybe they're not, who, maybe they're the Anunnaki, what is their function in this realm?
1: My, my best theory is I, I'm right there with you. I think they've been watching us this for thousands of years. I think they've introduced knowledge at different points of our history to further our advance and to see what we do with it, basically testing humanity as, as a cultural collective to see what we do with it. And I think they have intervened at certain points of history when certain civilizations, such as the Maya, Incas, and all that, were starting to do human sacrifices, and they didn't like that, and so they intervened. Whether that's convincing someone away, having a religious experience to go venture off somewhere and spread their fucking uh, diseases and warmongering, and all that, just letting basically, I guess, influencing humans to do something that they want, basically, but not directly intervening. And I think that explains a lot of what we've been seeing throughout history, all these different reports like the Nuremberg sighting or the, uh, or hell, Roswell probably just, Planning a crash and giving them technology to see what they do with it.
0: Yeah, um, and it's funny because we see the Roswell incident through the through the media essentially, right? The way that it's been portrayed in Hollywood, uh, the way that the news portrayed it at the time, uh, the way that it's been neatly tucked under the belt of conspiracy theory. Right. Um, but if we were to take uh. A biblical look at it or uh, ancient Sumerian look at it or what have you. This story would be told, you know, beings from the heavens uh, providing man with inexplicable technology to further our advancement. It would be another one of those stories. And so. That starts to get into this really weird thing too, where it's like, okay, we die in our in our in our souls; they are encoded with our experiences. They go back to this sort of you know central energy, um, but yet there is still a story unfolding on Earth, and this story is they really want us to have technology. They are really concerned with the advancement. Of human beings. And to me, that doesn't sound like the Anunnaki, right? If the Anunnaki just want us to uh, mine gold, well, then they're not really too concerned. They would chuck a pickaxe at us and tell us to get in the hole and dig. Uh, Why then is there an entire group of entities that are very concerned with us leveling up? What is the end goal of that?
1: So, I have some thoughts on the whole Zachariah Session. I've gone down that rabbit hole before. I'm not a fan of it. I I, I believe that he has mistranslated a lot of the Sumerian texts, and he's like a conspiracy theorist, like the rest of us. And so, he created this whole spiel about Anunnaki mining gold for us, even though, at least from what I've seen, I have not seen any evidence of that. Um, However, I do think that some of these stories of gods coming down, interacting with us, have been seen through different cultural eyes and understandings based off their levels of un- scientific understanding. And I think that's where all these mixtures of stories, gods helping out, doing all this stuff come from. And I don't know, I think they, they, they want us to have technology for sure, I, I agree with you on that, but I think they're testing us to see what we do with it. I think they want us to have technology to, to help Earth, to help humans, but instead we're using it for weapons. And I think they understand that and don't like it. And I think the U.S. government knows that they don't like it and are preparing for their intervention.
0: Yeah, I've heard that angle a lot. And honestly, that's human nature, right? We're given a thing. And then instead of free energy for all, it's how do we make the most effective weapon out of this, right? Um But then there is this whole other narrative that based off of our interactions here, I'm sure that you've heard this. It's this idea that uh, I'm going back to the fallen. They've been casted Mm -hmm. out of heaven. They're waiting for this this day to to of of reckoning. Essentially, Uh, they rebelled against some some being right. The most high, let's call it, because God is is convoluted and, and I don't think definitive enough. So they rebel against the most high and the Most High has plans. He's going to let this thing play out, and then there's going to come a day of reckoning where everybody's going to sort of have to answer for their, their shit. Uh, but their intention was to overthrow and, and rule heaven. And so the idea, this is not my idea, um, I'm not this clever, but the idea was that uh, they are amassing a sort of army, And they're going to do it through a great deception. And that we won't be worth a shit unless we merge with technology. And if we can merge with technology, uh, a couple of things happen. One, their influence over us is much greater uh, for whatever reason. I don't know. Some people say, oh, it's because we have the God spark in us. And as long as the God spark is there, then, you know, they really don't have any bearing over us and that we have authority over them. Um, So if they can change something about us through technology, that might give them the edge. Also, this idea that they can only manifest in this realm in certain ways and that through technology we may be able to. And you see this 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 pattern over and over again. Uh, My son and I were just watching uh, a a new one of the fucking 82 new uh, Ninja Turtle animated movies, which was awesome, by the way. I, I, I didn't think I was going to like it because I'm an old school Ninja Turtles guy, but I ended up loving it. But um, the idea is that there are these ancient ones, and these ancient ones exist in another realm. And through some sort of technology that resembles magic in a lot of ways, this is in the movie, uh, resembles magic in a lot of ways, but has this technological aspect, they are able to punch a hole through into this realm and then come here and fulfill some sort of prophecy which, like, man, is there no shortage of that story in entertainment? These ancient mm-hmm. beings coming through a portal into this realm to fulfill some sort of prophecy. And so is that even possible? I mean, to me, that's that's possible, right? That could be the angle, is that mm-hmm. the name of the game is deception, and they're meant to push us until we can finally act as their means to enter this realm uh, and then, in, in a much more physical sense, and then, uh, I guess from here, now this is shitty storytelling on my behalf, launch some sort of attack on on a heavenly realm. Does, what do you think about that?
1: Um, I mean, that's definitely an angle I haven't heard before. Um, I definitely think that it, it could be some kind of ancient stuff coming through from a different dimension, and... I don't know, man. That's that's a wild one.
0: It uh, is. It's, it's also deeply upsetting because uh, people have... There are people who share their stories and they have a lot of positive interactions with these things. Not only that, the experiences mm-hmm. are deep and meaningful. And I don't think that you can boil them down to just being some nefarious, deceptive creatures. Okay. In fact, the only thing we have to go by is ourselves, right? And if you look at human beings... We are a range of things and and not even to say some of us are evil and some of us are good. All of us are evil and good. Mm-hmm. And so why wouldn't they be the same? You know what I mean? It, the only example we have is ourselves. And so maybe it is some of that and also some positive things. And, you know, it's probably an amalgamation of 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 all things, but I can't help but. Um, you know, being a conspiracy theorist for a long time, I was always yelling into the sky and people were always telling me that I was crazy. And now that all this stuff is coming to light and it's much more palatable now, right? The idea of aliens or the idea of, uh, some Luciferian cabal used to be something that you would laugh at, and now it's kind of like, well, yeah, maybe that's there. Who knows to what extent, though? But most people will be willing to tell you, like, yeah, the government is infinitely corrupt. And and now I'm still on the outside shouting into the sky at people who are seeing the deception and thinking they figured it out, and I'm going, no, I think this might be a juke. This might be a sidestep. I'm so worried, in other words, that the way that the government is... Handling disclosure, we know that within our own government there are people practicing. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say there are people that are practicing dark arts. And for me, that is not a limb. And and on this show, I don't think that that's a limb either. Uh, and if we entertain that idea, sure, within the governments there are, however large or small, a group of people who are influential who are dabbling in the dark arts. And then you look at the fact that some aspect of our government is getting ready to, you know, reveal it all to us. I'm hesitant to to buy the narrative, man. I'll, I'll remain I'm skeptical not. forever.
1: Mm hmm. I, 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 I don't I'm with you on that, man. Like with their whole revelations coming out now, I, I am very worried of a false narrative being pushed. Um I'm trying to remain skeptical and open minded at the same time, and i I trust the facts. I trust what what can be verified um, because we've all seen the Air Force create shit with the whole Richard Doty thing like they've they they have lied and they will continue to lie that's that's why we as a collective, I believe, need to rise up and get the truth and I think we're. About to see something along those lines.
0: Yeah, I I get the feeling too that we're we're in this moment in time where where the curtain is, and I've said it a couple times to the show, but it's like the curtain is getting pulled back. And you know, like I said, as somebody who was on the sidelines screaming into the sky, as soon as I see the government start playing ball and saying, "Oh, look, look what we have here. We've got aliens here." I'm like, "Don't, don't, don't take that. Don't go near them, dude. That's not what you think it is." I don't. I don't know what it is, but those sons of bitches are lying, man. They've been lying, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. It it it's it's a hard time to be someone who is trying to be honest and trying to find the truth and trying to be objective. Um, I entertain a lot of things because if there's one thing that I've learned through my my journey uh, toward the truth is that it's so much stranger. It's this. This place is so much stranger than we than we think it is, and I'm very certain that the people at the top know almost just how strange it is, and they have no interest in telling us for all these years. I mean, if you look at um, just occultism, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, NASA, as as an entire entity, is shrouded in occultism. Um, If I'm not mistaken, uh, Jack Parsons, who is, for all intents and purposes, the father of modern day jet propulsion, uh, was obsessed with Aleister Crowley and trying to summon, uh, with the help of L. Ron Hubbard, the the Scientology guy, trying to summon something called the Moon Child. In the deserts of uh, New Mexico, I believe it was, and and for the audience out there, you guys can fact check me. But what is a guy who is a, he's a rocket scientist? What is he doing? Balls deep in the occult. Why is there this this marrying of technology and occult all these years?
1: Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe it was uh, Werner von Braun was a part of the Nazi uh, occult research uh, division. Uh, researching Absolutely, he was. I, yeah, I, so... He made a great observation. The... I, I don't know why it's why that's connected. Uh, it, it? Didn't Tesla talk about going off, uh, communicating with some, or at least that's a theory, he was getting his knowledge from some ethereal, like a Akashic realm or something. Like he was uh, a part of, like, interested in the occult. Uh, wasn't Leonardo da Vinci? I think when he was 17, he disappeared for like a week or some shit, and came back and like with all of this knowledge and started inventing things.
0: Yes. So, so that's what really gives me um, gives me pause is that at the highest levels, science and technology are intermarried with occultism, and mm-hmm. if we're calling a spade a spade, occultism. And demonology are right there. Mm-hmm. So when these famous occultists are communicating with various entities, um, for example, Aleister Crowley was communicating with something. I forget what its name was. I think it was. I think its name was Lamb. Uh, and if, yeah. you up, yeah, if you look this, yeah, if you look this up, yep, he looked. What does he look like? What does Lam look like? Big old
1: fucking gray alien, big dude with a big cranial head and everything.
0: So what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? This 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 marrying of tech and occultism and things that resemble ETs as we know them now, mm-hmm. th- this is starting to paint a picture of this great deception that gives me pause. Is like we have been shown ET in the context of, you know, all of our our big movies from the 60s and 70s and 80s, we're talking Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind and, you know, all these movies that have set the tone for what Americans are going to accept aliens as. And never in those movies do they say Aleister Crowley <laughs> interacted with something that looked like this or Jack Parsons. Uh, was trying to summon an entity in the in the middle of the desert, but he's also working for NASA. And like you said, Werner von Braun uh, was one of the Nazi scientists who were scooped up during Operation Paperclip. You know, after World War II, uh, we had all of these Nazi scientists and occultists who were simply, according to, and I could see this angle, too valuable to allow the Russians to scoop up. And right. so we scoop them up. And we're talking about the founding father of NASA, right? And NASA, I mean, I can't even get started on on NASA. They, they lie constantly. In fact, there's someone- Never a straight uh, answer. What's that? Never a straight answer. That's
1: what NASA stands for.
0: <laughs> what does it stand
1: for? Never a straight answer.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and then somebody else was just like, "What happens if you drop a T in there? It's an anagram. Spin the letters around. What do you get? It ain't Santa. <laughs> you know, so I don't know I don't know what what all of that means, but I do know that, um it starts to paint a big picture. And it seems like all these things are connected. We're talking, you know, demons and occult, technology and science, aliens and UFOs are all connected, but we, are given them compartmentalized. We are given them as separate things. The aliens are their own thing. They're from a planet. The tech is the government and human beings just doing a damn good job. The occult is just crazy Alistair Crowley and other people of his ilk. And those things have nothing to do with one another. But Mm -hmm. when you look at them objectively, they are all intrinsically, they are a sort of unholy trinity with tons Mm -hmm. of overlap. And that's not what we're told, dude. And so I I don't know. It goes back to what I said earlier. Don't be amazed with whatever comes down the pipe soon. Pump the brakes. Don't take anything at face value. And I'll leave this realm not believing in shit that somebody else is telling me. Even if I experience it myself, I don't know what it is necessarily that I'm experiencing. But I do know it's a lot weirder than they make it out to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Zach, I wanted to ask you because we're we're an hour and fifteen. Is there anything else about your story that you'd like to touch on?
1: Um, I mean, from start to finish, that's really about it. I, they took me from my room. Uh, they they showed me around a little bit in the hangar. I got scared. I took off. Uh, they they caught they captured me. Took me to the room. Did their tests, and then brought me home. I mean, that really just set off my whole life of just really. Never looking at things mundane, like the mundane things of earth, the same again. Like nothing, nothing's the
0: same. Do you um, have any issues like that still, or or have they kind of yeah, come to all a halt? All the time. All the time. I'm having an
1: existential crisis with what what's going on in the greater reality every day. That's that's why I'm just sucked into my research. I just I want I want answers. And this whole disclosure thing, I'm, I'm right with, there with you, man. Like they're they're. Don't get so caught up on what they give you because I I can see it everywhere. Everyone's just hyping everything up, and I feel like they could give us something, and then we'll just take it at face value and say, "Oh my God, look at it here! It it was like this all along." See, I told you. But then behind the scenes, there's really something else going on, more nefarious that we'll probably never know about. And that's that's where I agree. Like pump the brakes, look at it objectively, let go of your subjective experience for just a second, and just really. I don't know, just really see
0: what, what they have. I like to think that people like you and me are are cut from a, a slightly different cloth because um what I see in you is the same thing I see in myself. We can look at the absolute craziest aspects of this reality and still wake up in the morning and go to work and do what we have to do. Cause a lot of people, there's this misconception, right? It's like conspiracy theorists they're locked in their basement with their tinfoil hat and they're you know on obscure messaging boards looking at things that have no bearing in reality and they can't even function otherwise it's like no dude i'm a welder and a father and a husband and i've got shit to do um but you think netflix is entertaining this shit is the most entertaining thing the best story that's ever been told you know what i mean when people uh you know, I, I remember I was heavy into the, the QAnon thing when it first happened. I won't get into it. I've got my own thoughts on, on QAnon now. But uh, people were going, How do you how can you look at that? I'm like, I don't know, dude. You you're you're watching Black Mirror and like, yeah, Black Mirror is well written, but this story is way better, man. Like yeah. within our own reality, there are stories more compelling than anything you're gonna watch. In fact, the crap that you're watching is just mirroring. The compelling stories of reality they're just giving you a homogenized sterilized version of shit that's really going down Mm
1: -hmm. exactly
0: well listen zach i I really appreciate you giving me your time this was a a genuine pleasure I'm, i'm i'm glad to find out that uh you're as fluent if not more fluent than i am in this whole thing um and and i i do want to extend to you that if anything uh very interesting should happen to you consider this an open door policy you're always welcome back to the show okay. should you ever get any new information i have or, tons uh, of or new man. events that
1: that's What's just that? my first that's just my first abduction i have other experiences that my, my wife and i have had encounters with like a tall white looking alien thing and then like we've we've done our ce5 stuff when that was a craze um, like i mean i i've seen i have ufo photos like i have i have some crazy shit
0: I'd be happy to you some of those,
1: sir. For sure. Yeah, I can send them to you.
0: So then let's consider this part one and I would love to have you back for a part two in the future.
1: Sure. Absolutely. I'd love to be here.
0: All right, Zach, uh, when the episode drops, I'll send it your way. And uh, until we speak again, thank you so much for being a guest on the Raven's watch.
1: I appreciate it, man. Thank you
0: so much. Have a good night, brother. You too.